0: You no, I do want to talk about it, Robin, but let's talk about it in a different way because there have been so many times you and I have met together and we've talked about different ransomware attacks that are that are in the news. But, you know, ransomware is more than just about a little piece of malware that is causing your, your company some financial hardship. There's really a lot that goes into ransomware and, and doing ransomware campaigns. So I thought maybe what we could do is start out our discussion today basically giving the recipe for a, a ransomware campaign not because we're trying to enable new threat actors of course but you know the the more you know about the behaviors the way that these things are conducted the more prepared you're going to be when when it it comes knocking at the door and you're going to understand everything that's that's involved with that you know when we talk about ransomware i think it's very important that we don't think in terms of bad guy versus good guy we really need to think about the fact that ransomware essentially is a for profit business <laughs> right so we we are looking to to basically capitalize on what might be security oversights or, or lack of, of due diligence and due care of organizations. So we, we need to understand that. We need to understand that that ransomware actors are a for-profit business. And oftentimes, like many businesses, they do need third parties in order to operate. So let's talk through it in, in kind of two very high-level phases, Robin. Let's first talk about what it takes to set up the framework, to actually set up the business, and then we'll actually go through how the business operates. So kind of thinking kill chain perspective, right? There's always a, a portion of the the cyber kill chain where it's it's preparatory work, right? We're, we're doing the things that are necessary. Here we go. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, step one in the recipe is you're you're going to need some way to to channel your profits and typically speaking when we're looking at, at ransomware uh, actors they're going to use cryptocurrency why because it's certainly easier than sending boxes of cash and the old, you know, Swiss bank account, a very cloak and dagger kind of thing is, it can be slow and there's always the opportunity to then trace that. So cryptocurrency has proven a real to, to this part of the business where if we set up a, a crypto wallet to be able to receive remuneration, that's usually an excellent first step during this initial setup phase. The other aspect, just like any business would do that has customers is they're going to have to set up a communication channel of some sort. And certainly since we're looking at what we would call threat actors, they're going to want to set up a communication channel that although it provides the capability of communicating, it needs to obfuscate where they are. Where are these threat actors? So a lot of times we will see... That you know the budding ransomware business is going to set up a communication channel, typically over Tor. For those who aren't familiar with Tor, it's the Onion Router. I think everybody should be familiar with Tor, but just in case. The, the great thing about Tor is that it can hide where you're where you're coming from, what your what your location is. So the last piece of setup that, that's important and that you typically see with ransomware campaigns is that you have to have a landing site. You got to have a web presence, Robin. And and that's not only so that, uh, you know, you can show your wares and you can show what your business is doing, but a lot of ransomware actors will use a web presence for extortion. Now we're not going to get into the extortion portion just yet, even though it sounds really exciting. We're going to talk about that a little bit later because even the act of extortion has evolved over time with ransomware actors. So there we have the initial setup. So we're ready to go. We're in business. Now, it, it comes time to act. Now, Robin, if you're a ransomware actor, you've you've done your work, you've set everything up, and you've got your piece of malware ready to go, What what's your next step? What are you going to try to do next? This ransomware is a business, and we tend to use terms in cybersecurity like, like infiltration, or or getting a foothold in an environment and you know it's it's rather rather parallel to the business world because oftentimes ransomware actors don't necessarily have the skill set to do infiltration to get into an organization to get the word out as you said and to gain that foothold so you will even see ransomware campaigns that will actively search for those who are able to infiltrate. So infiltration and access, they'll literally contract it out to a third party. We've seen ransomware actors that say, you will get a percentile cut of whatever we're able to pull in from this ransomware by getting us a foothold. So yeah, like any other business, we we may have to rely on contractors. (laughs) We've finally gotten our foothold. And now I think is the point where we can really talk about the ransomware itself. Now, ransomware is a type of malware. Usually, if we are getting that foothold, it's going to come into the environment in an encrypted fashion. Everybody has signature engines that can try to search for known malware, so ransomware will typically come in encrypted. Once we're able to make it land, that ransomware, that bit of malware that's going to execute on what it's trying to perform, will usually have a public key embedded with it. Now, let's stop for a second. Let's talk about public and private keys. This is all public key cryptography. And I, I hopefully everybody knows that if you encrypt something with your public key, it has to be decrypted with the private key. If you encrypt with a private key, it has to be decrypted with the public key. But neither one of those keys can be inferred from each other. Really, the only difference between a public key and a private key is who, who holds it. A, a private key you keep secret a public key you can send anywhere so there the malware will will typically have a public key with it the ransomware and we'll explain why that happens here in a moment but one of the first things that the ransomware is going to want to do is evasion what the heck is evasion so i mean it, it, when when it comes to ransomware It's trying, it's going to start kicking off some behaviors, Robin. It's going to start working on a system. And it knows that those systems usually have monitoring and security applications or, or different processes that may be native to the operating system that would alert the user to the fact that there's ransomware kicking off. It's getting ready to do things. So evasion will do things like it will try to kill any of those processes that would monitor, or it will it will try to stop any security products that like like antivirus or anti-malware that may be running so that nobody's wise to the fact that that this is going on. This there's a lot of art to this science as well, right? And trying to quietly stop all of those systems that are monitoring. And, you know, I, I think of one bit of malware that, uh, that that was ransomware that I looked at recently, it, it executed over, I think it was somewhere around 220 or 230 different attempts to kill processes, to kill products and so forth. So, you know, pretty significant payload that this is bringing in to try to evade detection. That's what we're trying to do. We don't want to be detected. There's another aspect though, that ransomware will typically do after it manages to shut those those processes and those products off. And that is the fact that an awful lot of operating systems create backups. They create copies of, of, of good data. They may even do things like snapshots or shadows. So ransomware is gonna to try to get rid of those backups. I mean, it's it's kind of hard to hold files for ransom if I have a good backup, right? stands to reason. And, and this is where air gapping comes in. If you're thinking through this for a moment when it comes to ransomware, you may think to yourself, you know what? Air gapping systems is the perfect way to stop ransomware. And it's true, but it's not. And we'll explain that. I'm going to hashtag extortion here, right? And, and we'll come back to that again. So air gap systems, good way to make sure that you still have access to your data. Should you be attacked by ransomware, you will be able to resume your business because there is no physical connection. Just as you said, Robin, the the peanuts are on one side of the room and in the other room is the shellfish. Boy, you want to talk about making sure we cover everybody, right? Well, we'll cover shellfish and peanuts. Now, what does the the ransomware then do well when most people think of ransomware they think that we're going to be encrypting my business's files and and that is indeed the the step of of beginning to turn this into something that can be monetized so Typical ransomware these days will use a combination. Now, back in the 1990s, it was just a single method that they would use. They would encrypt all the files with a symmetric key. So we're talking about things like, you know, triple DES back in the day or, or DES. Now we're, we're using AES, the advanced encryption standard, simply because it's, it's pretty darn good. So a random key will be generated they will begin to encrypt the files. The, the the ransomware software will begin to encrypt the files. And then often there's a, a, another set of encryptions that will take place. And there's a variety of ways. They'll either re-encrypt the files again with an asymmetric key. So that public key that they sent with the, with the malware, they'll try to encrypt it again. Sometimes they will leave the symmetric key there and then encrypt the symmetric key with the public key. There's any number of ways they do it, but there, there tends to be a multiple encryption schema that takes place now. The reason for this, Robin, is so that if, for some reason, the person who has been infected by the ransomware decides that they're going to pay the ransom—that's what a ransom is, right? It's you pay. They're they're able to decrypt that key, and then the the victim can begin the process of decrypting their files. For some reason, the ransomware actors don't offer a decryption service. Imagine that, right? Maybe, maybe that's another way that they could they could monetize that. Now the encryption begins. And what the, what the ransomware will typically do is wherever the files are that they're encrypting, they're going to put a letter, a ransom letter. So this has to tell their, their customer what they need to do in order to obtain those keys and they can begin to decrypt. And usually what they'll do, and, and this is sales 101 is y- you can't just say, if you pay, we'll send you the key. You have to add urgency. You have to act now. Right? And if you act now, you get a set of steak knives. Or or in this case, a lot of times what they'll do is they'll begin a countdown timer. Now, what happens when that countdown timer expires? Here is where we finally arrive at the extortion part of the story. And this is the end of the recipe. So you know, this is where we're going to put it in the oven. We're going to bake it on medium for so many minutes. The countdown will begin, and it will threaten that should you not act in some way by the end of that countdown timer, there is going to be some sort of extortion. So the old school 1980s, 1990s extortion was, you need to pay us money for us to give you the key. Otherwise, we're just going to wipe everything out. You're never going to be able to decrypt it, right? It's, It's done. That's single extortion. Well, threat actors got smart because of air-gapped systems, right? And and offline backups where we just wouldn't answer the ransom note, we would simply wipe the systems, create new hardened ones, and then restore from those air-gapped systems. Well, that's not gonna work. So what threat actors will do is at the same time that they are encrypting the information, they're also gonna take it out of your organization. Remember that web page we were talking about earlier that we set up? We're gonna make that available to the public so that if you don't answer by the time the countdown finishes, we're actually gonna open up your data to the public. Now, all of your proprietary information, your data is visible for all the public to see. We're essentially attempting to destroy your business, right? By, by extorting second time from you, or we're gonna expose all the data of your employees, for example, and cause you huge regulatory fines. You know, Think of GDPR and, and how much can be fined. But then they even got smarter. They decided that there's a potential for a triple extortion scheme. So, in addition to extorting to unlock, they're going to extort to prevent revelations of the data, but the triple, the third part, is they will then take that data and they will go to the end user and attempt to extort it from them. Hey, your company didn't pay. We're about to release all this information on the web, but if you pay us X number of of pounds, We won't expose your personal data. So that's the triple extortion technique, Robin. They're they're going to any spot possible to try to make the funds. And that's why I think, quite honestly, you're seeing businesses that get compromised by ransomware and they're saying, gosh, you know, there's just so much and we didn't have the protections in place. We, We were not able to restore this thing. We did let the data get out. Just pay the money. Just pay it. And let's get ourselves back online. So that, Robin, if you go ahead and finish writing that on your index card and you can stuff that in the little box on, on your desk, that's our recipe for ransomware. So, you know, maybe our opportunity is to take a look at some recent compromises that involve ransomware and follow that recipe card. You're going to see that's pretty much awesome.